This is episode number 138. Mosi Tabim builds her vision with the happiness planner. Welcome to the Sonia Looney Show. This is a podcast about how to live a high-performance life, spanning the categories of mindset, plant-based nutrition, sports science, and inspiring stories to help you be better every day. I try to come up with a tool that can help people shift the perspective and then practice that and to cultivate being in a better emotional state. And I came up with the idea for the happiness planner. I'm stoked that you guys are here. Thanks so much for hanging out with me today. And I'm pretty excited about today's guest. Mo Sitabim has an interesting story, and her story is about a young girl and how a young girl was frustrated by a tumultuous relationship with her mother and learned about self-awareness and personal development through her father's advice. Does this sound familiar to anybody? The inputs we have while we are young always have an impression on our adult lives. And how many times do you hear about people in therapy talking about their childhood? It definitely does affect you in your later years, but you get to choose how you respond to that. And it doesn't have to be something that handicaps you, but it can be something that helps you grow. This young girl's father was her mentor, telling her that she will never change her mother, truth, but she could change her own perspective and learn how to deal with her mother by changing her perspective of what was happening. He told his 14-year-old daughter, Whenever you feel upset and frustrated, remember that the only thing you can control is what you focus on and what you think about. See this as an opportunity to train and strengthen your mind. And I think that's an awesome quote, and I couldn't agree more. And what great advice to give a teenager. This young girl's name is Mo Sitabim, and she's an entrepreneur and the founder of The Happiness Planner. And out of her frustrations, she learned how to be happier by reading, by writing, by spending a lot of time just looking within. Initially, she was an inspirational blogger writing about different emotional difficulties that came up in life and how to cope with them. Blogging led her down the entrepreneurial path where she started her journal, The Happiness Planner. The Happiness Planner has grown into a company that inspires many with various planners and notebooks. And I don't know exactly how I got my hands on one of these. I think it might have been sent to me in a package with a bunch of different stuff. But I dove into it last year. And I don't really like using the planners that help you set goals because I I don't really need that. For me personally, I need planners that probably help me set less goals. (laughs) But I like this planner specifically because of the introspective questions it asks surrounding happiness. And I touched on some of these in the Crush It Monday I just recorded a few days ago and published. But just taking time to journal in and of itself is so important. And it's something that it's kind of like doing core work. It's like, I know I should do it. I'm happy when I do it, but it's hard for me to actually get started. So this journal, it made it easier for me to sit down. And I actually go back and refer to it sometimes because it really helped define what was making me happy and what was making me unhappy. And I just think that the social media content they put out, the questions they ask, the free downloads, they have like printable downloads that you can get. I really like those as well. Mo's goal is to help bring happiness and inspiration to others through the art of journaling, planning, goal setting, and prioritizing what's important. And she's also offered up five bucks off if you want to get one of her journals or something from their website, The Happiness Planner. If you just use my name in all capitals, Sonia and the number five, Sonia five, you get five bucks off if you want to try it. In this episode, we talk about how she started this, how to deal with worry, journaling for self-confidence, 
growth of her journal and how she copes with the ups and downs of business. Her life is a traveler and non-attachment to things and also life lessons from traveling around the world. There's a lot of interesting topics in this podcast, and I think you guys will really enjoy it. I have a free weekly newsletter, sonyalooney.com slash newsletter, if you'd like to sign up, where I send out the podcasts, the Crush It Monday, and the interview podcast on Friday, and also if I have any additional news. And I think it's pretty awesome that you guys are subscribed to it, and it's fun to get your responses whenever I send things out. I don't ever send any spam, and it's usually just a notification that there are some new podcasts available. So if you want to get on the list, and also make sure that you are the first to know a lot of different different news things that pop up before I post on social media. It's sonyalooney.com slash newsletter. I also want to say thank you so much for the reviews on Apple podcasts that you guys have been leaving and also for subscribing and sharing the show with your friends. You can even text them a link to your favorite episodes. That helps us a lot. And it also helps people who think they might get value out of this show. And that's been the most fulfilling thing for me about doing this podcast is just the influx of messages I've been receiving of how this show is making a difference. And that's why I do it. That's what puts the wind in my sails. So thank you so much, guys, for listening and for sharing this. This is so, so awesome. And it's such a privilege to get to do this podcast. And last, if you didn't see the Moxie and Grit long sleeve jerseys, they're really three quarter length mountain bike jerseys with a relaxed fit. And they are different colors than the cycling jerseys that we had. They're available at moxieandgrit.com. That's M-O-X-Y and grit.com for a limited time. I think they're pretty rad. And um, a lot of you asked for these long sleeve jerseys. So I just want to make sure that those of you who are asking for it know that it's available now. And I got these because you guys asked for it. So I think they turned out awesome. I think they're going to be great for fall riding and also just for putting out the vibe. All right, guys, let's get into this week's episode with Mo and learn all about happiness. Welcome to the show, Mo. It's so exciting to have you. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, I love your journal. I found it a couple of years ago and I was really struggling with burnout and just going through, especially the first 20 pages or so, helped me get recentered. Oh, I love that. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> yeah, so I'd love to hear how this journal came about. Well, when I was little, I've always been passionate about personal development, psychology, and like branding, design, stationery. And I guess it's something that I always kind of knew that I wanted to do when I was a kid because I used to I used to actually make my own scrapbooks full of chords and like inspirational stuff. <laughs> but like the real idea didn't really come about until probably about five years ago. So prior to that, I started an inspirational blog. Initially, it was just a place where I kept all the inspirational quotes I came across. And then later on, I started writing my own blog post. And it kind of got to a point where I started receiving a lot of emails from my readers saying how inspiring the blog was. So I decided to ask them if I could write about one thing that makes your day, what should I write about? And a lot of them replied and said that they want to learn more about how they could be more positive and happier. And I thought, oh, that's so interesting because there's so many books and articles out there about happiness and positive thinking, but people still say that they need help with this. So I try to think about, you know, what can I do to help people and why do people still need help with that? And I kind of realized that, you know, a lot of people think like changing habits is hard. You know, like we all know that it's, it's more tangible, like trying to quit smoking or getting back to the gym. 
but people don't really think about you know like changing our emotional or our thought patterns right like the way we think the way we feel you know like if you've always focused on your worries for example and that's been like years of patterns it's really hard to just change that you know so I try to come up with a tool that can help people shift the perspective and then practice that and to cultivate being in, in a better emotional state. And I came up with the idea for the happiness planner. And how did you learn how to cultivate this in your own life? Like, were there circumstances growing up that made you be more introspective about what it means to be happy and what it means to find fulfillment? Yeah, well... I guess like when I was a kid, you know, I and my mom, we argued a lot because we were really different. Like my mom is very strict and conservative and she's always worried and stressed when I was growing up. And my dad is kind of the opposite. He's really into like psychology and personal development. And I remember he was telling me about positive thinking and like how it affects your brain, like your brain waves. <laughs> but that was like when I was a kid. And I guess like when I when I became a teenager, I and my mom started arguing a lot. I turned to my dad, like because he understands me. And he said to me that, you know, your mom has been this way for like 40 years, you know, it's probably impossible for you to try to change her, or for her to understand your point of view. But you're still very young, like you can look at this and be upset and frustrated. Or you can see this as an opportunity, like to train your mind to be strong, like just see this as the first obstacle in life that you need to get through and just try to build resilience from there. Because, you know, when you get older, you know, you're not going to have resilience overnight. You're not going to be strong mentally overnight. So so just root it from here. And kind of like that's how I learned that if you actually change the way you think about something or the way you look at something, your feeling about it also changes. And that's how you become in charge of how you feel. Yeah. And it's interesting because sometimes we can objectively think that we need to change our thinking, but actually doing it can be really difficult. And I think that journaling is a really great way to recognize what your thought patterns are. So how is the Mm -hmm. journal laid out to help people recognize what their limitations are and maybe where their limiting beliefs are and help them reframe them? Yeah, so with the planner, you know, it starts with the happiness roadmap. So I figured that, you know, people, a lot of people don't really know who they are. And because if if you don't know who you are, it's really hard to set goals that will make you actually feel truly fulfilled and happy. So I came up with a list of questions. I changed, changed the questions so many times. Got my mom to help me rearrange the questions. But yeah, in the end, came up with this like happiness roadmaps where you need to answer questions like, you know, what makes you happy and how happy does it make you feel and how often should you do it? You know, what makes you happy? Can you do anything to change it? And what is your definition of success? What are your core values? What are your strengths and weaknesses? And just kind of get people to think about every little thing that makes up who they are. And so that when they set goals and make plans for what they're going to do with their lives, their goals are much more in alignment with who they are. And well, throughout the planner, you know, I want people to start in the beginning of every month or every week, depending on the version. I want people to start thinking about what they're excited about and just setting goals, not just in terms of like work goals, you know, but also like personal goals. Because I think 
sometimes we forget to think about it. You know, like maybe I want to learn to be more patient, you know, or I want to learn to be more understanding. I want to be cleaner. And these things also take practice, you know, just as much as changing habits or trying to achieve like a tangible goal. So like at the beginning of every day, we ask people to fill in what they're excited about that day. Because I think if you can wake up every day and start every morning thinking about just just being in a in a positive frame of mind, you know, then you already set yourself up for a good day, right? And then at the end of each day, if you reflect on the good thing that happened, you know, then you already put yourself back into like a more positive state of mind because sometimes we can feel like, you know, we've had a bad day or we focus too much on the bad things that happen. But if you really think about it, there's always something to be grateful for. So I want people to practice that. And sometimes it's a little bit repetitive, but repetition is what builds patterns and when it becomes like patterns that go into your subconscious mind, that's when it's like it sticks. So yeah, I want people to do that. And then at the end of each month or each week, you know, I also ask people to reflect on, you know, their mood, their energy, their happiness level, the good things that happen, and also like the negative things that happen and what they learn from it. Because I really want people to practice looking at the positive side of the negative thing, you know, like just what you learned from it. How did you grow from it? Because like those challenges are there to be like the greatest teachers. And I want people to practice doing that until it becomes second to nature to them. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's really powerful, especially being able to look for positive things in negative emotions. And also, I think it's hard for people sometimes to just ask themselves what makes them happy because it's it's a really open-ended question. And for some people, they can feel really intimidated by that question. Yeah, I think like in the first version, like up until now, you know, I think a lot of people would fill in like simple joys. That's what I have been encouraging people to think about, like simple joys so that you can find joy every day and feel happy every day. But I think in the next version, I want to start making this section a little bit more complex (laughs) so I want to divine you know like what makes you happy into like three things like simple join and then like something that maybe require an activity like a simple activity and then something that required more willpower and effort so I think that would give people more direction in terms of thinking about what makes them happy Yeah. And sometimes what we think will make us happy isn't actually what makes us happy. Like, I'm sure people listening have thought, oh, if I if I can achieve this or get this, then I'll be happy. But sometimes you get there and you're still not happy. Yeah, I think in a way, you know, what we can do to prevent that from happening, I think visualization is powerful. Sometimes if you just visualize yourself reaching that goal, and how you're actually going to feel when that actually happens, maybe you realize that, oh, it's actually not going to make me that happy. So maybe I can scrap go. (laughs) And from the feedback you've heard from people, what have been the main challenges or roadblocks to happiness that you frequently hear about? Yeah, I I recently did a survey, actually. Um, It's being consumed by worries and stress. So number one. And then the second one is self-acceptance and self-love and self-confidence. Yeah, Yeah. I I think that those are, everyone can relate to having felt those. Mm -hmm. I guess like, that's why I feel like, you know, sometimes we're just worried about stuff. But then if we can like dissect our thoughts and really look into our own stress and anxieties and question them, 
sometimes that can make us realize is like, oh, like there's no point to worry about it, you know. <laughs> so I noticed that you have a lot of printables on your site dealing with lots of different types of things that people could be going through. And the one that I wanted to talk about was how to deal with worry, because all of us worry a lot. And that's not something that I see very often out there to help people cope with worry and anxiety. So like, what are some tools or some practices people can use whenever they're feeling particularly worried about something? I think, you know, when we, well, worrying can be like a habit, right? You kind of get sucked into it. You start doing it automatically every day. But if we just take a minute to like dissect our thoughts and start looking into our worries, we actually realize that we don't actually really need to worry because it's actually not that bad. I'm just really into like cognitive behavioral therapy and just how you just pay attention to your thoughts and where they come from. Like, are they from fears and beliefs that have been embedded into us years ago? and try to change that, I I find that that is really powerful. And I want people to be able to practice that. Yeah, because a lot of times whenever we're worried about something, we've just fabricated it in our mind and or or we have no Mm -hmm. control over it. And worrying about something you can't control isn't really useful for using your energy that way. Yeah. And I feel like just, you know, just journaling and using the notepads or the printables that we have designed, it's in a way, it's kind of like talking to a therapist but you're just talking to yourself to the paper. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, a lot of times therapists actually don't say a whole lot. They just get you to talk. (laughs) Yeah. So what about self-confidence? Because self-confidence is a thing that a lot of athletes and, and, and just everybody, but athletes, whenever you're out there and you're putting yourself on the line and then there's a sheet of paper with a time next to it and how good you were relative to somebody else, like, if you don't perform, you can feel like your worth is tied up in your results or in how fast you are or in how good looking you are or in all these external things. So with the journal and the type of writing you've done, what kind of things have you done to help people with their self-confidence? Yeah, I think self-confidence is a lot to do with self-esteem, right? Self-esteem, self-belief, self-worth. My dad's also an athlete, like a national marathon runner. So oh, he, cool. he always journals. Yeah, he always journals. He's, he believes that it's a way to really help you get rid of your limiting beliefs. So I think it just comes down to really understanding where your beliefs come from and how can you change that, you know, like the limiting beliefs. And then once you know how to change that, practice and learn to change that until eventually you become confident. Are there any personal mantras that you use on a daily basis? You have the power over your mind, not outside events. Realize this and you will find your strength. Yeah, I like that. I can't remember who said this, but I love it. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's been probably been a really interesting journey for you. Like you had this great blog and then you became an entrepreneur. You created this journal and now you have multiple journals. People want to use your journal in movies. It's sold in really big stores. Like what has the growth of this business meant to you? And has that affected your happiness in any way? Because it's easy to tie our happiness to a number or a grade or all those things. And As an entrepreneur, there's ups and downs. So how have you dealt with that part? Initially, when I started the business, I didn't really think that big, honestly. I just wanted to have a business where I earn enough money to travel 
and just for me really. But then the business grew and I was like, oh, I can't do everything on my own. I would say it makes me happy to know that the products help a lot of people and that the world and the market are so receptive towards the products that I create. And it just makes me want to create better products. And obviously, you know, sometimes I still get lost into the business world where I want to focus on the numbers. And then I have to bring myself back to like, you know, I got to focus on my purpose and my vision here. But then there needs to be a balance because otherwise you will make no money, (laughs) you know, and if you just focus on your purpose. So there needs to be a balance where you can still create a profitable business and make your purpose bigger, uh, your vision bigger. Yeah. And like the bigger your business, the more people you can reach and help. So yeah, I totally get that. But it's not easy to do for sure. Because when you're helping people, you just want to help them. But if you're running a business, you need to be able to like you have salaries that you need to pay and like you need to pay yourself a salary and it's, it costs money to make things. So yeah, yeah. I think that's hard whenever you are really passionate about your business. Yeah, it gets complicated because as you know, I want to expand, I want to do, I want to publish my products in like different languages, but then it costs money to stock products in different countries. It costs money to do many things. So sometimes it's really hard to balance and to manage, you know, different aspects of the business. Yeah. And like, how do you know how much money to put back into creating new products? Because to create something, you have to put money back in initially, but then the business needs to make money on top of that. So like, how do you decide how much to put back in? I pretty much put back in pretty much all of it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I pretty much reinvest everything into the business. You know, we got the apps developed, we produce new products. And sometimes it's quite nerve wracking because you don't know if the new products are going to sell. Like the apps, you know, we spent so much money getting them built, but they're not really making us money yet. Yeah. But I feel like it's a lifelong journey and I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. This is really, this is really common actually. Like this is a question I've asked a lot of people that run businesses and I have an apparel business and it's hard because you have to figure out, yeah, like to make something, it costs money. So you have to put the money back in, but then it's a risk too. So it's like getting comfortable with risk. So in terms of all the things you've learned about self-awareness and growth, like how do you get comfortable with risk and uncertainty? Yeah, I feel like I've become really, like nothing really scares me. As soon as I started the business, I've actually been a nomad. So I sold all of my furniture. I haven't had a lease in four years. So I pretty much live out of two suitcases. (laughs) So I feel like that's like, yeah, that's like really the most adaptive I've been in my life. So yeah, I feel like like nothing really scares me. (laughs) Yeah, because you you don't have anything to lose because you just, yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. So I have my clothes to lose. And when I was in San Francisco, I got my clothes stolen as well at the laundromat. So that was the moment when I was like, okay, I've got nothing to lose except the clothes. And then (laughs) they got stolen. (laughs) So I pretty much learned to be like, okay, not attached to anything, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. San Francisco is crazy. I was there, um, I was doing like a speaking thing and I was going to the airport and I parked my car like it was downtown, busy place. Like there's people sitting in the window, like they could see my car. And I just left for five minutes to go buy a coffee. And I came back and someone had broken into the car and they stole our suitcases. 
Oh, wow. And people were watching. People were yelling at them. Yeah, they like stole. And apparently San Francisco has a rap for crime, like petty crime like that. <laughs> yeah, I got my phone stolen there as well. Man. Yeah. This is a little bit off topic, but because you are a nomad and you get to travel all over the place, what are the best things you've learned about yourself and about how you want to run your business from travel? Yeah, I think the biggest thing I've learned from travel is so I get to see different cultures. So I kind you know, where I feel like I'm not attached to any identity, like I'm not attached to any culture because I've been so flexible. Like, and I want to kind of blend in wherever I go. Like when I moved to Australia for university, I tried to get an Australian accent or, <laughs> you know, I want to understand. <laughs> Cause like, I, I just didn't want people to ask me like, where are you from? You know? And mm -hmm. So I wanted to get the accent and, and it was fun to try to get the accent. I just see it as something fun to do. Can you do an imitate? Can you do an, an Australian accent? Oh, like I feel like <laughs> so I lost, hard. I feel like I lost it now. Yeah. It used to be like, okay, I'll say something like, Hey mate, how's it going? Yeah. <laughs> it will come back if I talk to an Aussie, but I feel like yeah. I've lost it now. Yeah. yeah. To me, it sounds like you have an English accent. Oh, okay. Cause I'm like in London now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I would say I've learned to, yeah, to be flexible and adaptive. And, you know, with all this like politics and stuff that going on in different countries, social issues, because I've traveled so much, I get to see things from different perspective and like, oh, like this country is, you know, people are really passionate about these issues. And in this country, people are passionate about these issues and there's no right or wrong and different countries just have different perspectives about on what they care about, basically. And what about community? Because I don't live out of my suitcase, but it feels like I do because I travel constantly for racing and speaking and things like this. And it's hard to feel like you're a part of a community when you're on the move all the time. So like, how's that worked for you? I would say at the moment, my community would be the people like you, you know, people who are into personal development into wellness or people who are like entrepreneurs, you know, who might have online business. The startup scene, I feel like that's also a part of me. So you mentioned the app and the app is something on your phone. I actually have the app and I like the app. So good job. Um, but with journaling, I've read that it's important to handwrite stuff out instead of typing it on your phone. Have you guys looked into the differences between how that actually affects people and how they make change? Well, I think personally, I know from when I was, you know, a student <laughs> that writing things down helps you memorize things better, help you process your thoughts better, you know, because you actually write it down. But honestly, I am a typing person myself. Mm. I use my app, our apps more than I do use the paper version just because I type really fast. So I like typing. And is the app the same as the journal or is it a little bit different? It's the same. The features are the same, but I think in the future we can, you know, there are more things we could do on the app, but it just costs a lot of money to get each feature developed. So you have a journal called the happiness planner and you meet lots of people. They hear what your business is. Do people look at you and just expect you to be happy all the time? And do you feel pressure to like, emit this I'm so happy all the time attitude? I used to feel like that in the early days. I feel like people were like, oh, this is like the happiness expert. But then 
I want them to see me as like I'm real, you know, I'm real, I'm genuine, I have my down emotions. So I try to be really authentic with my image. Like I don't try to sugarcoat or Photoshop my photos. I just want people to see this is just me, just like everyone else. You know, I have my own struggles, but I learn, try to see the positives and I try to be resilient. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that would be a, a challenge of everybody, like just expecting you to just be good all the time or happy all the time or just... But I like that the reality is there and that it's true that nobody is happy all the time. And you can be a happy person that has to deal with unhappy things, but that doesn't mean that you're going to be smiling and feel good all the time. Yeah, because I think real happiness is not that, you know, happy, joyful, being happy and joyful all the time either. I feel like real happiness is more like contentment. You know, like you're content with what you're doing. You're content with your life on it. It's like more like a peace. Yeah. In a peace. Yeah. I think that's happiness to me. Yeah. I, I did this. I have like a 10 minute Monday episode and it was about happiness. It was a while ago about how we always say, I'll be happy when like, I'll be happy when I sell X or I'll be happy when I lose this weight or when I buy a house. And I did some research and there's a awesome psychologist named Martin Seligman. And you, you've probably heard of him. He's like the pioneer of positive psychology. And he came up with a theory called the theory of authentic happiness. And his theory has three elements. And the elements are positive emotion, concentration, which is the same as focus or just single tasking, like things like that. And then meaning and purpose. And I thought that was a really great way to define happiness. Because I think with those things, you actually do feel content. Yeah. So in terms of research, so I just mentioned Martin Seligman, was there people that you did, like psychologists you researched or other books that really influenced the journal? I mean, I read a, a lot of books, you know, growing up. I really like Stephen R's Covey book mm -hmm. and, you know, how he talks about paradigm shift, changing perspective. Like I'm, I'm all about I'm all about that, really. Like, I really like the deeper level of thinking in terms of where you try to change who you are at the core mm -hmm. or how you've been. I like Dalai Lama as well. You know, coming from like being from Thailand, I grew up in a Buddhist country. So mm -hmm. I learned a lot about Buddhist concept of happiness and attachment and learning to let go. I think these are the things that you need to practice. Mm hmm. Yeah. And I think that one of the challenges for some people with journaling or self-awareness is that you have to be honest with yourself. Mm -hmm. And I've noticed that some people, it's really easy for them to read something or be asked a question and they're like, yep, I can, I can look inward. I can pull that information out. But for some people, they actually have a really difficult time looking in the mirror and being honest with themselves. So how can somebody get better at that? Because it's hard to change that. Yeah, it's really, really hard. I'm not sure how to change that except try, just try to practice that. Spend time with yourself. I think when you're journaling, you really need to be alone. And that alone is already hard for some people, especially, you know, if you're always around other people and your thoughts are always clouded by other people's voices. Yeah, it's really hard. Sometimes it's hard to write things down. Maybe you just need to do like a record yourself talking to yourself, maybe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good you know, idea. I think, yeah, I think that might be easier. And then you listen to it later on. And then you're like, oh, that's what I was thinking, you know. 
Have you gone back and read some of your older journals that you filled out? Yeah. And sometimes it surprises me like, oh, wow, I was actually quite a good writer. That's how I think. Oh. <laughs> <Like> that. <laughs> that's, that's actually what I think too. When I go back and read something I wrote, I was like, man, like that's actually better than I thought. <laughs> I am like, oh, I can actually write pretty well. <laughs> so funny. Yeah. Yeah. And how has this changed your mom, if at all? Because you're uh, like going back to the beginning, your dad said, oh, like your mom can't change. And now you've totally gone off on a different trajectory than she probably wanted for you. And you're a nomad traveling around, teaching people how to be happy. Like, wh- how has your mom adapted, if at all? Yeah, she's actually changed quite a lot. So I told her to, um, yeah, you've heard about it from my TED talk. Like, so I told her to use my happiness planner and then she started using it. And initially she was like, wow, like I have to fill in what I'm grateful for. I never thought about this before in my life. And then I was like, yep, practice it. So she's been using it. And now she's like trying to be positive, trying to be grateful. Every now and then she still stepped back into her, her old self. But she is more aware now. She's mm-hmm. more aware. She's more mindful. So it's it's great. Yeah. I mean, she still thinks that, you know, the way I want to live my life is a little bit crazy. You know, there's no, she feels like there's no stability, mm-hmm. but she's used to it now. <laughs> and she's become more accepting of differences. Mm-hmm. You know, she now understands that people are different and people might not be the way she wants them to be. And and that she should just let them be and then be happy with it. Mm-hmm. Are your customers primarily women or are there a lot of men that are using this? Yeah, primarily women. And I think it's because of the the design, like the colors. Do you think that journaling is something that it's primarily women are journaling? Or if, like, why don't we ever hear about men journaling? Because I think men could do a lot of journaling too. And I don't think that it needs to be portrayed as like a thing that women do. I think it's becoming quite a thing for men as well. Like, you know, like Tim Ferriss or Jay Shetty. I think like these guys, they're advocating journaling and meditation. But from my research, I find that men are much more, they're much more systematic in their thinking. You know, when I ask my friends who are really into personal development about, you know, how they journal or how they track their progress, they all showed me spreadsheets. Mm-hmm. Like they have spreadsheets where they track the activities that they want to do, like meditation or exercising or, you know, practicing whatever. But they all have like the gift scores to mm-hmm. <laughs> to what they want to track versus women, you know, when we just vomit words. Yeah. Yeah, it's so interesting how... And I mean, not everybody fits into a male or a female category as to how they do things. But it's just interesting how there's like trends for the genders. And yeah, I'm like afraid to say anything specific because I don't want to offend people. (laughs) But yeah, yeah, it's just it's just really interesting how some people want to learn about themselves in one way or share about themselves in one way or track their progress in one way and how other people are different. And I imagine that that would be kind of challenging as you try to expand your company because you want to be able to appeal to as many people you can in different ways. Yeah. I mean, I definitely want to launch a new brand for men, but I feel like I would need to work with a male writer, you Mm -hmm. know, someone who's in the personal development space, 
someone who can write with a male tone of voice because mm-hmm. I feel like the, the products right now have a female tone of voice. Mm-hmm. And I probably need to change the content to be a little bit more metrics driven and systematic, I think, because men are much more process driven than women. Yeah, it's really yeah. interesting. Yeah. And I have one more question. It's about the vibe of Happiness Planner. Like, I love the Instagram because I feel cozy when I'm looking at it. And I think mm-hmm. that you guys have done a great job with your photography and fonts and just design the colors. It, it, it feels like cozy, but also organized. How did you decide how you wanted the vibe of the brand to feel? Yeah, well, I started it in 2015. And back then, pastel colors were in. And Scandinavian design was becoming really trendy. And I'm a big fan of pastel colors and Danish design, Scandinavian design. So it was quite easy to decide that I wanted to do. At the time, it was the mint aqua color, like pastel mint was in with gray. So at the time, yeah, so I decided to go with that. And pink has been popular for the longest time. Yeah. And like, where do you find what colors are popular? Yeah, so I look at furniture, like furniture brands, Mm -hmm. sneaker brands. Sometimes I just go into like Adidas or Nike stores and see what what colors are in pretty much interior design and sneaker brands. Cool. And if someone wants to pick up one of your journals, where's the best place for them to do that? I think the best place would be from our website. We stock our products in the U.S., in the U.K., Australia, Canada, and Hong Kong. Actually, if you're from Canada, it's probably easier to go to Indigo Chapters. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And with um, like lots of bookstores have closed and how like our entire culture around books has changed to getting it on Amazon or buying it online. And then a lot of bookstores either aren't stocking as many things or there just aren't as many bookstores. So from a business perspective, have you guys analyzed the best way that you want to sell your products or is it just kind of like, I'm just going to put it everywhere and just see how it goes? Yeah. So I mean, e-commerce still the main one. Stores like Anthropology and Urban Outfitters really like our products mm-hmm. and we like them too because, you know, they're, they're the place that millennials like to shop and they're quite lifestyle-y, you know, like people go for lifestyle products. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, people still love books, but I think the aesthetics of traditional bookstores just don't appeal to people anymore, I think. You know, like Barnes & Noble, it's very dry. Mm -hmm. You go in, it's not really cozy. I think, you know, I was in Asia last month and there's so many cafes and bookstores. And I think cafes are going to be the new bookstores now. Like people want a place where they can go and get cozy and buy healthy food and spend time and there are books there. You know, I think that's the new bookstores and it's something that I actually want to do in the near future. Yeah, like the Happiness Cafe. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show and congratulations on all of your success and also on the impact that you're having on so many people. Oh, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. That was pretty fun to get to chat with her and to get to hear her story. I especially like talking with authors or even with people who have journals because you don't always get to hear their personal story. And I love learning how people get to the point that they're currently at because it's so easy to assume that people just 
are immediately successful or that it's easy for them and the challenges that people have and the growth people have to go through in order to get to where they're at, it's really inspiring to hear about and it makes me want to work harder too. I hope you guys pick up a copy of the Happiness Journal if that's something that sounds good to you or if you don't want to go full in, just go check out their social media because I I think it's really good. And don't forget to use the code SONYA5. It's my name in all capitals, five. It's also in the show notes if you want five bucks off a journal. Awesome, guys. Thanks so much for listening. Wishing you all the best success in your training adventures. Happy September. And we'll see you back here for Crush It Monday in a few days. 